Oh yes This is recorded We back This for everybody feeling down Keep your head up y'all What? We gonna have a good time y'all Hey keep your head up Go talk to somebody Go hug somebody Keep your head up don't cry, dry your eyes don't cry. Never this is recorded, it's here. Don't forget, girl, keep your head. And when he tells you you ain't nothing, don't believe. And if you can't learn to love, we gonna have a good time, y'all. Cause sister, you don't this is recorded, baby. And Let's go. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Another day, another podcast. Welcome to This Is Recorded. We thank you for being with us. I have a loyal supporter. A great person, a lovely spirit in the world. Please introduce yourself. Hey, this is Auntie Roz. Um, just a proud auntie. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, hello to you. Hello to family. Hello to that wonderful uh, podcast crowd out there. I hope you're all well and oh. blessed. Oh, okay. Thank you. Thank you. So. New York City, even though I didn't stay long because my mom, uh, she wanted to move us out of New York City. It was kind of bad while we were there. But for you, how was it growing up in New York City? Were you actually born in New York City? Yes, I was born in New York City, Low East Side, Low East Side, uh, what they call the East Village now in uh, Bellevue Hospital. You know, I hear a lot about Bellevue. Usually, is somebody <laughs> somebody was shot and they were taken to Bellevue. Unfortunately, that's how I heard about a lot of that stuff. But uh, yeah, New York City. Like, how was it just growing up in New York City? Such a vibrant and diverse place. Um. Yeah, you hit it on on the nose. Vibrant and uh, diverse. Um. There, it literally is, I hope still is, a city that never sleeps. There is really uh, no time, at no time of the day or night that you can couldn't find something to get into. Um, I miss being able to, you know, just walk anywhere to find, whether it was music, art, food. Uh, I especially miss walking from the Lower East Side, going to the village, um, hanging out at night at two in the morning, getting some of the best hot dogs and um, a pina colada drink at Gray's Papaya. I always wonder if it's still there at uh, uh, 4th Street and 6th Avenue. Yeah, you know, I wanted to take my wife. Um, we were there um, one time a couple years back. But it was uh, mm-hmm. later on at night, and she was like, oh, I don't want to get on the subway. I'm like, oh, it's New York City. But she's like, no. Nah, <laughs> she's like, no, nah, I don't want to do that right now, but Grace oh. Papaya. But we did ride the subway, and she really got a kick out of uh, a mariachi band got on the subway and played a little tune. So she's What? Really, a, mari- a mariachi band. A mariachi band. Yeah, because, you know, usually... When I was there, it was more like Puerto Ricans, Cubans, Dominicans and stuff. It wasn't too many Mexican people. But now, it seems like it's Mexican people in New York, too. So, yeah, a mariachi band got on and played yeah. a tune, and she thought it was amazing. <laughs> yeah, the only thing I ever saw anything me- Mexican was uh, going to a Taco Bell, only to find out when I 
moved to California, I wasn't even eating real Mexican food. No, not at all. Not when you <laughs> move to California. It's just, yeah, it's totally different. So share a subway story with us. One of your funnier oh. subway stories. I know you probably have plenty. Oh, man. I, and I can't believe this is the one that came up. This is before you even even a thought. Um, so I was, it was me and some other classmates heading back home because I went to Brooklyn Tech. So I think it was on the L train. I don't know. All of a sudden, you know, we're chilling, and we notice there's this other group kind of looking sketchy and everything. And then another group comes over, all right? And it turns out it was some kind of sting. All of a sudden, they're tussling, and um, we see a gun, and then someone announces they're a cop. And we're scared because the train is still moving, okay? And we're all looking like we're going to die because there's nowhere to run to. So <laughs> that was like our last time traveling uh, on the L train. We were trying to take a shortcut. But um, that was the first time we have, you know, it was undercover uh, cops. But they just look like regular thugs. And it was crazy. So that's the one that pops up to me. Yeah, I know. It's millions of stories. I mean, just the short time, the few times I did move around on the subway with family and stuff, you know, it's, you always get the showtime uh, the funniest ones to me really are when, you know, like you get a homeless person, they make an announcement about how they need a couple of dollars. It's like, oh, oh, oh my God. Yeah. And you got to sit there and try to act like you're minding your business. And, you know, in New York, they brave. So they'll tell you like, oh, y'all really going to act like y'all don't see me. <laughs> so it's, so yeah, it's see, funny. When you grew up, yeah, they were more aggressive. We had the uh, more nice, benevolent kind of a famous one to us anyway, uh, back in the um, early 80s, if you rode the D train, you were going to get serenaded by this fair-skinned dude. He always sang uh, something from Nat King Cole. Great voice, too. You know what? And the thing about homeless people, everybody has a story. So you never know. You know, you just got to be mm -hmm. kind to people because you never know what got them in that situation. But in New York city they are some characters they really are just different different so in new york city what kind of music were you introduced to like in your neighborhood oh man man and you know the first thing when you say that it i'm mad because when i was younger growing up on the lower east side i didn't appreciate um the cubano and puerto rican music we had in Jacob Reese when they didn't mess it up like they have on um, concerts where it was um, oh, Celia Cruz and all these other um, great bands but I just didn't dig salsa. You're a kid, you don't know anything and so there was that then of course the beginnings of um, hip-hop um, I'll never forget we had a block party you know, you have um, great grandma was out there always selling the, most of the plates. They they were waiting for her fried chicken plate. But we'll never forget, you know, everybody's having a, a good time chilling. And all of a sudden, what was that Luke song? 
that brought all the controversy. Oh, all of a sudden you hear, oh, Mr. Horny. <laughs> and it's like the whole block stops. Like, what the? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, shout out to Uncle Luke, man, a pioneer, Uncle a Luke legend. Was, you know, <laughs> but, you know, it was that. But also that day we heard uh, Stephanie Mills, Put Your Body In It. That that album was that band. I mean, uh, what else? And then, of course, in the, in the household, we got exposed to uh, even Uncle Leo, if it wasn't for Uncle Lee, I wouldn't have known about uh, Elton John and the Carpenters. But then, of course, um, D-Train, um, Stevie Wonder, just, you know, anything and everything. We were well-rounded musically. You know, in that D-Train, um, Nas put together a playlist I have titled. Uh, oh, I love how you um, ended that that's probably keep with keep on add me in cheers too oh man i um thank you i didn't know it was gonna move but you know what that song it had such a strong message and a message for yeah. right now and i did not know that's also it. he uh mm-hmm. that's where biggie in 112 got the sky's the limit you could have uh which you keep want just keep on pressing uh, on everything's a remake yeah, yeah. yes sir exactly yeah, I did not know that. So, but I was just listening to what he was saying in that song, and I was like, "Wow, man!" Because I know he had another song that was pretty famous, and I heard that one before. Uh, you're the one for me. Yeah, I heard that one before, but oh, uh, and so you bring up Stephanie Mills, man. Oh, her voice, man. Isn't she? Uh, I feel good all over. Didn't she make that song too? Yes, sir. Go ahead. Yep, that's her. Oh man, Stephanie Mills, man, that voice. But yeah, she first was famous uh, for Broadway. Um, Playing Dorothy, the, uh, but well, in the Wiz, yeah, right? Correct. In the Wiz, correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'll try to be a hip hop historian. You know, I knew you were heavy, oh, heavy in the hip hop uh, when I was younger. I was like. Oh, and is that you're the first person that I would consider like a hip hop head that I knew. I know my oh, mom. I wish, but I used to be mm-hmm. when I was trying to break into it, kind of. But now, now that's now I feel all my fifty plus years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I understand. That. <laughs> what, what was the what was the first song that you think you remember knowing? Like, it was the first song. Like, you know, like, like hey, what's your song? No, ever. What was your first song that you think? I always find that interesting. And it may, it, it don't necessarily have to be the first one, but what's just one that, like, from the your youngest memory? Got, oh, yeah. I love telling this story. Um, my dad had brought me a, a record player. Um, and I can't remember, but I think we were in Kansas. It was, and um, uh, whoever, and I think she recently passed away, who did the cleanup woman. Now, you have to picture, I'm a five or six year old girl and I am obsessed with this song mm-hmm. Clean Up Woman mm-hmm. you know where y'all got the famous that's a classic I know that I know the Clean Up Woman definitely uh-huh. yes yes that was a that was a, a definitely like a a little riff that went on and on and on that beat that part and that breakdown definitely went on forever 
that's making it easy for the clean up woman. Oh, that's that a was, that's a good yeah. one. But not only music, I know you love movies, so what's the first movie that stuck out to you uh growing first up? First movie that stuck out to me. Now that one is as you know uh, man, the one that really stuck that uh that I can do a lot but not all. Um the color purple was the one that stuck out, you know, when I first really started wanting to memorize um, scenes or lines because they touched me, you know, uh, in some way. But the first movie, yeah, see, I guess she was forced because I had to go everywhere with her, with Manzingo. Okay, Um, what is that movie about? (laughs) Oh my God! Look it up, young woman. I I, I, I hear uh um <laughs> ma- I I know that the uh males uh refer to their uh private parts. We'll say uh as their mandingo. So I can imagine yeah, if it, it has because, anything. Yeah, it, it starred. I don't know if he was um heavyweight champion at the time, but um Ken Norton, and I can't even remember some of the other. Um, actors in it, but he was a slave, and uh, yeah, the white woman wanted that Manzingo. So. <laughs> now that is a funny memory right there, you know. But <laughs> oh man, the Manzingo. Yeah, I I certain movies I shouldn't have seen. I, I, yeah, but that's just growing up in New York City. Like also, I don't know if you watched the show The Deuce, but I know you grew up with a different Times Square. You grew up with the 40 Deuce. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, talk about um, the last time I went, I was I was getting on New York. I didn't feel like a New Yorker anymore, for real, for real. Um, I was making people mad because I was looking around like, what the, this, this is the Deuce? Yeah. You know? Yeah, because I heard it was prostitution, peep shows, oh, drugs, we everything. They didn't, oh. We weren't, Grandma, uh, we shouldn't go around there. And even there was parts of the Lower East Side she didn't want us uh, going to. But in order to get to to Greenwich Village, you know, so over there near um, NYU, you had to go kind of through, in a way, Tompkins Square Park. And that's, back then, that was, you know, heavy with drug sales, huh? So, um, yeah, the deuce, and it had, I hated when I, when a boyfriend would take me to a movie theater over there. That's why I knew no money. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You don't take me to 34. What was, I'm trying to remember what was the nice movie theater over there on 34th Street. But, um, Murray Hill. Yeah, 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 yeah. Murray Hill, Murray Hill. Yeah. Anytime, I, yeah, but the deuce, the deuce, so yeah, it ain't the deuce no more. It's it's truly 42nd Street and Broadway now. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I heard Disney has somebody has some part of like buying it up and trying to change it. And you know, Giuliani with his stop and frisk and all this stuff he brought to New York City kind of cleaned it up. Mm-hmm. But we all were gone around those times, but um. Uh, yeah, I mean, New York, but I would just said that to say, like, 
you grew up in New York City and like all and most people too, they didn't seen uh, you didn't seen a lot of things at an early age. I would uh, imagine just being from New York City, like so. The, seeing a movie is nothing compared to the real life that you've seen day to day. Oh yeah, I mean I've seen. I guess you kind of. I don't know if it's block it out or because I only saw that. Well, no, I saw it two times. One time I, I realized that I was thinking about it recently. Um, your great uncle uh, Philip, I mean, not Philip, Uncle Jeffrey, in a way they had when they were uh, arrested. I saw him being arrested, and I was, and they almost were ready to get in my face because I saw how, you know, rough they were treating him unnecessarily. And then um, years ago, before that, seeing some cops just really you know how they really just push them up against a car yes you know for no reason being so aggressive yes but it seemed like back then for us it was we didn't push back as much you didn't not like not like y'all it was like you know yeah it's cops, a different yeah, it's 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 very scary the relationship with the police, and you know a lot of people nowadays, you know, they feeling like this might be my last interaction anyway, so I might as well be the aggressor. So that's just mm-hmm. yeah, it's a whole nother ball game. But I know you were really really close with your sisters growing up. How was it growing up with uh, your sisters in the household? There were times that we had uh, where we would get into our disagreements, and I'm sure your mom would uh, remember too when it came to chores, where you know we tried to bargain. Yeah. Or, oh, if you do it, if you, I, I, I gotta go. I want to go this place or do this. If you do it my Thursday, I'll do your next one. And then somebody tried to renege. That's when fight. Oh start. yeah. But um, yeah. Um, Growing up with our aunts and uncles, they thought we were weird. Even grandma, there was a few times when we would see one of us getting a beat and the other ones would start crying. Uh-oh. <laughs> looking at us like, what is wrong with you? Yeah, that, you know, you are you are a unit. You are one. I know it was the four of y'all, you know, together. They're real close. You got other brothers and sisters, but, you know, the four of y'all were just really, really closer, right. closer in age. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, I would imagine. But um, with all of us, we would be there for each other. You know, there have been certain histories among siblings, but I have no doubt whenever we, if we have to be there for each other, we're going to be there for each other. And when we do get together, you know, all of that, those kinds of things just go out the window. And that includes wanting to be there. Uh, I, it's, and I may be getting a little off topic, but um, like you were saying with your grandma, and I forget where you guys were at some park, and she said she was just going to go. But I know some of what she was going through. I know that feeling of unworthiness, and I feel that at times when I'm around y'all. Um, but I, I yeah, um, sorry. Oh no, no! It's it's a really emotional, and I really think, unfortunately, 
uh, not just in our family exclusively, but a lot of black family. If you think about the history, even though they want to start our history as slavery, which is not true. But if you think about that, depression is a very, very big thing that plagues us as black people. And, you know, it's hard. And, you know, and that's what I was talking about. And, you know, during COVID and different things, depression is really, really hitting home. And it's really, really bringing up some things that, you know, people don't want to talk about or experience or life was going so fast that you don't have time to sit and think about it. But now we have all the time in the world to sit (laughs) and think about it. And, you know, it's really a rough thing, you know, you know, so how are you dealing with the COVID? What did you uh, learn? Uh, Did you learn a new skill? And what did you learn about yourself during this time of COVID? And this time of COVID, I learned more about that I have not been um, I've been just surviving instead of trying to live and I have been more trying to project a person uh, an image of me that I think people want to see as opposed to who I really am and I'm just starting to learn that and some of the things that I'm learning about myself I don't like and so then it makes me close myself off which is not a good thing and when you're already an introvert you know and now you have this that kind of compounds it but I realize now the only way I'm going to heal is to stop covering up and pretending and, and getting out there getting to know y'all more because it helps me get to know me more. But it, it, it's rough, you know, because it's it's like I, I, I don't really like some of the things I'm saying. So how is this person going to really want to, you know, like this side? Or like really your auntie is kind of awkward and I don't always know what to say, so... I end up not saying anything, not calling, not anything, just staying in my feelings, as y'all say. Yeah, and that's what, you know, um, for me, yeah, it's really, I've done a good job of holding a lot of things in and dealing with a lot of things, but now that uh, corona, you know, has hit, you know, it really, really messed me up, man. It really, um, you know, I was doing well with it, and I was doing good with it. Um, and then my wife got in an accident and I was on the phone while she, while she got on the, in the accident and I could hear, you know, the car rumbling around and stuff like that. And, you know, she's just screaming and stuff like that. And, you know, that's what broke me, you know, so that's what finally years and years and years of just holding stuff in and dealing with it and being strong it broke me. It finally did. And, you know, that's what, you know, made me seek help and, you know, break down and try to go for therapy. And I wrote down the mm-hmm. definition of therapy is uh, the treatment intended to relieve or heal a disorder. And I think all of us are going through a healing process. I could 
explain my journey as it feels like learning how to walk again. Like I want to get up and run some days because it's like, oh, you know how to do this. You know how to hide these yeah. emotions and these feelings, but it ain't that easy. Like you, it's a process. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta start one foot in front of the other. And even yeah. though you've done it before, it ain't that easy to do it again. <laughs> like, so, you know, I want to let you know that you're not alone. There's many people. Yeah. And, you know, I, I heard Bill Burr on Joe Rogan podcast and a lot of people are really facing all the things they didn't want to face because I do a good job of blocking out things I don't want to remember. I just kind of just go about it and somebody could remind me and I'm like, oh, yeah, that did happen, you know. But yeah. it's just like the COVID is like, you know, really making everybody figure it out and really face those problems head on. And unfortunately, you know, a lot of people aren't making it through, honestly. So it's very, very important to anybody listening and to you and to I'm speaking to me as well that we got to seek all the help. We got to talk these emotions out because uh, one of the yeah. writers I know, um, Jazz Fly from um, This Is Us, she was dealing with a lot. I remember she um, had someone like threatening her on social media that they were going to leak these pictures and she had issues with her weight in the past so she just put all these you know nude photos or different photos of herself up so the person could leave mm -hmm. her alone and you know she just put it out herself and i know she was dealing with that about a year or so ago but during covid she took her life you know and it's like it's wow. like, I'm letting people know this, you know, not to get dark or nothing like that. But it's like it's people hurting out there and I want them to know they're not alone and I want them to seek help. And, you know, if you don't have the finances, whether it's talking to anybody you can confide in, whether it's like starting to meditate, take a walk, read something, anything to make you feel better. You have to try and you have to seek help when you can't figure it out, because it's really, really hard right now. You know, we all need each yeah. other. Yeah, this is therapy for me, folks. Talk to your nephew on the podcast. Yeah. Releasing things with me. Yeah. But, you, um, yeah it's good. You, you know, the thing, though, and you may know, too, in the black community, it's hard because we're always supposed to, you know, just all, oh, you just need to go to church, just open up the Bible, but sometimes that that's not going to do it, you know? Yeah, and sometimes if everybody don't believe that, too, you can't make, you can't force things on people that, you know, everybody got their own path is what everybody got to mm -hmm. realize, and you got to just support them in whichever way they need you. Exactly, exactly. Um, even, you know, I don't know if you heard how, and I, I hadn't actually gone on YouTube to see exactly what uh, Skip Bayless had said about Dak Prescott, but I applaud the man for coming out and saying, hey, I'm not okay. Yes. You know, his I mean, yeah. his brother committed suicide. And they watched their mom <laughs> deteriorate in front of them, you know, through yeah. camp. They, yeah, that's a lot, you know, and that. <laughs> That's a whole lot, and that proves that you could have. I wish I was the every. You know, this is the thing that I keep 
saying on different podcasts and stuff too is that I think a lot of people because we don't have money and we feel like that's our main struggle we feel like that's gonna fix it but what people don't know is a lot of celebrities go to drugs alcohol and suicide because once they get the money and realize those wounds still aren't healed they go to the yeah. drugs, the alcohol, or they take their life. Like, this is real, mm-hmm. real. So be careful because you could be the leader of the Cowboys and just feel like nothing, you know, really feel yeah. like you don't want to be here no more. And you would think, why would you not want to? Like, that's a real thought, you know, and that's why people got to uplift, check on your people, man. Even the person that checks on you, check on them, surprise them and check on them mm-hmm. because you never know. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, you know, it's the reason why I did that. Uh, I call it the family group text. So oh, that, yeah. You know. Yeah, it's and it's important. And, yeah, I think it is because even though um, uh, not everyone always checks in, but I know everybody is glad it's there. Because it, it's a way that we, we all can know. Okay. So. Yeah, you know, you know, yeah. and it's it's good for me to see, you know, because uh, I'm I'm at work most of the time where a lot of things is going on, but it's just good to see positive energy being shown, whether you participating yeah. in it or not. It is right. there, and you know, it's there. So that's just good energy right there. Yeah, good energy. We waiting for you whenever you have a time. I, I I'm a. Anytime I haven't done a Zoom in a while, but even if it's just five seconds, say hi, and then pop on out. Okay, yeah, I definitely got to try to uh, get on there. Maybe I could try this weekend. I got some time. But um, have you learned a new skill during the pandemic and Corona and everything? No, I haven't learned a, a new skill first. But, well. I guess I did. Well, this this pod thing is I've come up with an interest in that, and um, I am trying to get uh, more organized in how to ship cookies. But I think I'm going to have to wait until after the election, so maybe mail and everything will go back to something a little more normal. Because um, I tried to send something overnight by USPS. And it took two days instead of overnight. Yeah, I, a lot of people are backed up because everything is mostly online. And then even when I go to try to go to a clothing store recently, they don't have that much stuff. So literally everything is online nowadays. No, I'm to ship some of my, my uh, cookies out. And I've paid overnight price. Oh yeah, yeah. That's that's an issue. Yeah, that's definitely an issue. That's an issue, and I put on there, you know, uh, what's the uh, perishable? Yeah. Cookies on it. Yeah, they they don't <laughs> care. They they just like look, woman. Uh, we all working hard, so we they get there when they get there. But they still gonna charge you. Customer service is really really bad, like as a whole right now. Yeah, I've been seeing well, that are, for a minute. Yeah, one of the reasons, because start to cut you off now, one of the reasons why I'm taking a break is that I do customer service, but we customer 
service people and not and anyone who gives bad customer service, there's no excuse for that, no matter how rude a, a customer is. But um, for all, you know, CSRs out there, when you're feeling you're at that breaking point, you do have to take a step back. And that's what I mean, because I don't want to turn into one of those bad encounter customer service representatives. For all of a sudden, you know, everything that I've been bottling up because of COVID, because of uh, loss of a partner, and, uh, you know, where do I go after that? Because that's the other thing that ties in. But when all of that is on you, you got to do yourself, your employer, and your customers a favor and take a step back. And that's basically what I did because, and that's why I was at the point I knew I didn't know when, but sooner or later I was going to be, you know, that rep you got on the phone that all of a sudden either I knew I was going to bust out crying or if you were coming at me all, you know, nasty, I was going to snap back. So I said, I, I, I got to get off the phone for a while for my sake and my customer's sake. Yeah, I think that I think that's what it is. I mean, even before the pandemic, though, I feel like it's more of like my age bracket and younger. The millennials are just like they don't really care too much about customer service. They treat a job as a job like they can get another one easier. Yeah. But I, I understand what you're saying. But for me, I've noticed for the past few years now that the customer service you know, like at a restaurant sometimes or this or that. Oh, yeah. It's just yeah, kind of like lacking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they just. Yeah, I agree. It's a, it's a, yeah. And those, those, now, those kind of people, they shouldn't have that job anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> I think with the social media and everything, they feel like, you know, even for me, it's like, hey, I have a podcast outside of this job. I don't have to take this. I could treat you like trash. <laughs> I think that's the I, I think that's the problem that me and my wife talk about. I think it's because it's so many like I could go viral today and leave this job. So I think a lot of people had that on them and like, hey, I could treat you like trash because you don't know what I do outside of here. So I think it's more of that than anything else is that like the millennials and younger are kind of like, I don't need this. I could do X, Y, and Z any day. So that's mainly right, but, my thing. But you know what? The other part of that that uh, you'll forget is that whatever attitude you had at that job, you're still going to carry that attitude. So suppose you have some listener that decides, I really want to come at, you know, I didn't like your opinion on that podcast, you blah, blah, blah. And so all of a sudden that you get attitude with that person and you know the thing it's that good and bad about social media how fast something can go viral you say the wrong thing and it's like yeah man Reggie shouldn't have come on him like that and just as fast as you can get you know that many viewers you can lose them so we it's either way that's for me to say whatever attitude you have whether you know, being in a job you don't like, but there's still something in you that you're going to have to tweak because that, you, like I said, you have a listener that can come at you and say, you know, you know, there's assholes everywhere. Oops. 
Yeah. So you can edit that out. Oh, no. my! I was being, uh, trying to be courteous for you. I curse heavily on the podcast. <laughs> well, yeah, but yeah. No, it's just, you know, it's, it's really rough, you know, with people and dealing, you know, for me, I was really hard on kids probably like a couple years ago. Like, kids are so soft now. They act like they getting bullied and this and that. They don't know what bullying is, but I did not take into yeah. it. I did not take into account that if me and some young girl is fooling around or this or that and you know somebody's videotaping it and it's an embarrassing moment and i hit Mm -hmm. sin this goes out to the world i didn't have to deal with that you didn't have to deal with that but that's what these kids deal with now so my opinion on kids being soft now are they soft or do you not understand that this is a whole nother ball game that they got they got the social experiment is on netflix i need to finish that it's a documentary you do you oh man i could we could spend a whole day on that man yeah but i I, from what i'm understanding they saying how dangerous it is this social media and the things it does and you really have to use it as a tool but it's addictive, you know, and, you know, I'm pretty sure when you hit accept and things like that now, I'm pretty sure in that fine print, they're going to say, like, this could be addictive. Even with the iPhone, how they try to put your screen time and stuff like that now, they know that this stuff is addictive. So they try to put little things in there. It was planned that way. It's, you know, you probably heard the, what is, what's the term now, brain hacking. Yes. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah, the whole thing with the lights. That's why you don't even, I don't know if you've noticed, you don't see me. I haven't deactivated the um, account, mainly because I need to get some of those photos off of that I don't have on my own hard drive. But Facebook? Yes. I was, well, I, I'll use the grandma term, they ain't nothing but the devil. Yeah. Don't mess with Facebook. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's... It's rough, yeah. But Instagram, you know, that that's cool. Um, Twitter, I use it mainly, and now I'm definitely if I really start taking it, um, getting in the podcast field. But it'll be for that because it's dangerous. You know how um, it wasn't as much me, but I was spending some time on it. I'm noticing I started certain celebrities that I follow and I could tell, I, I remember tweeting out to this uh, particular um, actress and I just, and I remember it earlier, I just said, I was just checking on you. I didn't want nothing. Don't need you to reply back or anything like that because something in my spirit said something's going to happen. And sure enough, I think it was shortly after the her text her tweets just started getting more uh, aggressive, kind of, you know, in the sense that I don't know why they give people I call it free come up. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm telling you too, don't give people free come up on your feeds that want to get into it with you because then that's how they get more attention. Uh uh-uh. uh, gone. Yeah. Don't respond. Yeah. But you see more and more of them, they start responding, and then it's just like high school again with these trolls. 
people who wouldn't dare say the things that they say online, but they wouldn't dare say it to you, you know, in your face. Yeah, yeah, but that that's you see more of them. Yeah. That's the truth, you know. I asked a um, girl today um, about a rapper, like a younger rapper. I was like, maybe she mm-hmm. knows. Because she has a, it's a girl, she's a mixed girl. Her name is Mulatto. And uh, she, oh. she, she's a rapper. And, you know, I know a lot of people didn't like her name. But then it seems like they always trying to find something wrong with this girl. But she's younger. She's like early 20s. So she came up in the mm-hmm. social media era. But it's just like, man, you really got to be built for this because this is a really, really nasty play. If they'll talk about your mother, father, if you disabled family member, dead family member, I mean, it's nasty, nasty out here. So I feel for them. You know, I see so many of these celebrities, all of a sudden they said one thing that was taken so the wrong way. And then the next thing you see, you know, they're taking a break from the social media. And I, the other reason why I feel from, we all know the game now. They, it's the great unsaid said. Yeah, you need to have the social media. We, this is how you're putting out your brand and everything. But then you got these people who are gonna come at you. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's it's really really a rough thing, you know. Uh, Speaking of that, like on sports and stuff like that, I know uh, you like the Dallas Cowboys. I like a lot of teams and stuff like that. But, I mean, in the past couple years, unfortunately, it seems like in sports, I mean, of course, mainly football, but in many different sports, it's letting you know very clear that, like, I mean, basketball is doing a pretty decent job for them. Mm -hmm. But, like, football just does a horrible job, like, far as, like, handling issues in general starting back with the Ray Rice only getting two games for beating oh, up his wife yeah. but down to you know the different uh Colin Kaepernick to all kind of stuff to different Jerry Jones like for me I find myself like I like the sports and of course like you know these were my teams at one point but I don't find myself as into sports anymore like far as like a certain team when you know really where they stand far as you Mm -hmm. as a black person or you as whatever issue maybe you have issue with women getting hit on and things like that it's kind of hard to root for a certain team or a certain organization when you know how they really feel for because like for me with the Giants you know uh, uh I know the owner was like yeah, I mean, I would have signed Kaepernick, but, you know, my fans got really mad at me. So, you know, I don't know. I, I didn't really want that. So it kind of lets you know, like, where they stand on different things. Like, for me, I feel like just don't say anything. If you don't want to, like, get into it, but when you say something, you kind of letting them know where you stand. Exactly. And it's like, I know so many Dallas fans, and they just really love – they love Dallas because Dallas was when they came up. You know, they had the different Lynn Swans and Staub, and the different people growing up, and, it, and you watched it with a family member, and it was nostalgic. That's why – that's how most people pick their teams. It's nostalgic to their household. But I just feel like – do you feel like it's difficult to root for different teams and stuff where you know where they stand on, like – social issues and stuff like that 
Yeah, I mean, it, there's a part of me, it's a love-hate situ- situation because um, I'm glad sports are back, but I, I worry about the players, um, whether it's because of the social upheaval or just uh, physically because of the pandemic, you know, football and basketball. I mean, so far, thank God, with um, the NBA, like you said, they're doing a good job. But in the end, I look at them and I almost still think of slavery time. You know, they don't care that they're risking their lives, possibly literally. And then um, uh, the the uh, the um, social uh, effects. All of the these are if they uh, the black men if they were not in sports if they were not famous athletes. Well, I'm sorry, I take that back. It doesn't matter because. Most of them, except the ones that are well-known, they know they can easily get arrested, picked up for a no reason. Uh, who was it recently, a former football player? He was moving into his newly purchased house. He forgot the keys, and they came up on him. Yeah. You know, I, yeah, it's, yeah. Um, I know I'm taking a roundabout way, but I realize it's still – this it's still it's just the modern uh, slavery situation where you imagine a black man sitting up on whatever they call the dais and you know the, the barker like guy how much you know for this one i mean in some ways they're control in control but in a lot of ways they're not a lebron yes but maybe someone who you know really has to have the job i mean lebron he could retire right now Yes, and, and never work. Yeah, never work a day in his work. life again. But we know well. You, when this was all the bubble was forming and everything, um, a lot of a lot of them were concerned. But hey, this is this is their livelihood. So yeah, part of me wish in that way. I wish I didn't love sports so much because, um, you know, yeah, they may end up getting this COVID, you know, the virus playing like this. But another part of me, it kind of helps me. I'm not going to lie. It was, it was so cool to watch a game the other day. But on the other side of me, it was like, wow, black people are still getting killed. And almost 200,000 people have died of this virus. But I want to watch a basketball game. I want to watch a football game. Yeah, I think what the pandemic has showed all of us is how selfish we are, and it showed all of us also that how much we don't need. I have a spending summary on um, my bank account on Chase. They have like a spending summary, and it breaks yeah, down. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, that kind, and it's embarrassing to look at at times. Uh, yeah, but um. It was good to see for the month of April. So Mar- end of March is when uh, the COVID got really, like, serious. Like, it's like, yo, we got to stop the world. But April is when it was, like, really, really, like, tight, tight. So if everybody look at their bank accounts, at least, at least for me, in April, the month of April, you'll see how much you can, like, deal without. You know, you would see a big difference if you look at maybe February, January, 
your spending to April, when you couldn't do anything, you would know, like, hey, I really don't need a lot. So even with the sports, it kind of puts us like, hey, we don't really need this, but we want these things. But for me, with the sports, it it, it does give you like a slave mentality, even with them being owners. Like I never really like with football. I have a real issue with football just because they never get it right. I mean, with black issues, because I'm a black man. They don't get it right. But even for women, it was like dudes have been beating up their girlfriends in football forever. And it just never was really a big deal. But now, you know, it's like they forced to try to deal with it. And even in the end zone, they would make fun of how small the end racism is on the back of the end zone. It's not in the end zone. It's in the back of the end zone. And it's very, very small. They just do a horrible job with trying to adjust and you know try to relate to issues they just throw money at stuff honestly that's just all they do in the nfl you hit the nail on the head that's exactly what they do yeah they just throw money but you know i just feel like you know there's so many good people i know that's like a dallas fan or this or that and it's just like when you see these owners they don't really care it really feels like you're like a slave master because it's like I know, you know, I watched the Django and I'm sure that back in the day, like, hey, we're going to take two big slaves. We're going to let them fight possibly to the death. We get almost like dog fighting. We're going to let them. So it feels like with the different predominantly black sports as far as basketball and football, it's the same mentality. Like, hey, they work for me. I'll never let them own nothing up here with me. And that'll be that, and I'll treat them how I want to treat them, and that's just how it feels yeah. with f- yeah. with sport, unfortunately, and yeah. it's hard for me nowadays. Yeah, just shut up and play ball. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like you know, and you know what? It reminds me do the right thing. I've seen it when I was younger because it came out in like '89 or something, and I was born in '87, uh-huh. so I didn't really understand it, but um. In that movie, as I got older and watched it, it was Mm -hmm. a very good scene that everybody should watch. And he was saying, like, well, you ain't got no black people on the wall. You ain't got this. You ain't got that. What's the deal with you and black people? He said, you know, Jackie Robinson, Reggie Jackson, these people are niggas to me. They're different. You guys are niggas to me. And it was like, this is really how they view us. The sports people are not niggas to them. They're different. They're like good, clean human being. And I even think about that as myself because I love fitted hats. So I have earrings. I like tattoos, stuff like that. So at work, they know me and they like, you know, all different white people. They know me and they're like, hey, oh, he's a nice, clean black guy. I would let him come over and stuff. But on the street, if you see me, maybe you clutch your purse. Maybe you looking kind of weird or something like that. Maybe... You thinking like I'm just one of these guys you hear about on the news, and it's just sad when, as you know, a black person just you still don't get treated fair, and you, they still hollering the things that Martin Luther King and Malcolm X and everybody died for. They still trying to fight for these things today. It's sad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's just you know, it's just you know, for me, it's just I can't root for these teams like I used to because my like 
issues as a black man kind of come into it. And I just kind of like, I just like sports, you know, I don't get into it because a lot of people aren't open minded, but I'm just like, yeah, I don't know, you know, I don't really have a specific team. I just, you know, enjoy the sports. I enjoy these brothers making it out of poverty and making something of themselves to hopefully create generational wealth for their family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, you're on to something, um, at least um, the radio station, the sports station I listen to out here, at least here and uh, where they take a, a poll uh, of of how the viewing audience is for the Dallas teams. And we didn't do too well. Um, viewership was down. And it wouldn't surprise me to find out if um, a few other um, teams are experiencing that. You know, like you said, COVID, it, it hit. There's this new normal, and that may include not everybody getting back into sports the way um, they used to, as far as viewing it. Yeah, because if you had a family member that was affected by COVID or something, you would just see sport as disgusting. You know, like I don't want to see this. These people trying to entertain me while I'm dealing with real life, but. For me, loving sports, I loved Game 7 yesterday and stuff like that. It was good to see, but I try to be as open-minded as possible. And I could imagine somebody that, you know, their family passed from it or they got it themselves, and they're like, we need to keep our focus on this and not be distracted. And I can understand. But also, not just the health reasons, but like in the Dallas area as well, with a person like Jerry Jones that's super outspoken, that never said anything about any of the black injustices that's been going on during the pandemic. That's a problem that people are not going to like. They're really not going to like it. Well, I don't know how much coverage it got. I think it was a month or so ago uh, nationally, but um, he did, at least on the local station, I don't know if it was complete support, but it wasn't the same rhetoric he was spouting last year. Uh, he didn't have anything um, to say because there were, it was more than one player, actually, I think, that uh, knelt. Or maybe it was just one player, but it was also um, someone from the coaching staff. But he didn't, uh, he didn't come back with what he said last year, that he would have issue with anyone uh, kneeling. So he, even he knows he, has, he hasn't come completely around. But it's not quite he, – he's not coming – uh, as hard as last year, and I'm not gonna. Uh, it, it's rough. He he is not, you know, a favorite owner of mine. But none of them um, are. Um, no, they're owners. That's uh, that's what they they're, are. They're, they're, they are what they are. Yeah. Um, so like I said, I mean, I'm gonna lie. I feel guilty. I thought I could give it up. Maybe one day I will, but. It's just one of those uh, things that makes it feel a little more like the normal it was uh, before all of this. But, hey, you got to, whatever kind of makes me feel a little normal, whether it's a football game, basketball game, but I'll still be outspoken and I hope that they will let players who have the courage to, you know, be outspoken and that they keep, you know, speaking out 
because we all know how this dance goes. You know, we'll have a few months or so. It's been longer this time of unrest, and it's like, okay, they'll be calm again now, and everything will go back. You can't, you can't, you can't sustain this. Yeah. This out. It, it's a, and I think, like you said, because now it truly. And that part I'm happy about because, you know, in the black community, we really don't, it's never been like this where we so openly talk about uh, mental health and depression. And so I'm so happy now it's not that secret thing that you keep to yourself. I love the way your mom would say, you know, if someone broke a leg, they would say immediately, you need, you know, you got to go get help. But if it's, you know, your emotional heart, your your mental brain is, if, if there's a break there, oh, no, you just got to, you know, come on, pick yourself up, uh, pray harder, do this, do that. No, it's time to admit that we get depressed. We are not, we are not okay. I'm not okay. Yeah. It- and, and that it's okay to, and for, you know, it's okay to, seek help and, and not I'm not going to be quiet about it anymore this wow this is probably as open as I've been about this so now I want to get back in my closet I want to talk about yeah it yeah <laughs> I mean I think it's so important because it's been so normalized with black people that just like you keep what happened in your household to yourself you keep what happened that one time to yourself you keep this to yourself you keep that to yourself but it's only but so much self can handle the brain tells everything what to do so whether you work out or you go to work or you wake up the brain controls it all so when the brain is not feeling well who's there to heal it oh you just Mm -hmm. get over it no to me it's just like why do we exercise our body and we try to feed ourselves different things. But we don't exercise mm-hmm. like, hey, today I need to sit and do nothing but everything that makes me feel good. I need to watch mm-hmm. my favorite movie. I need to eat my favorite food. I'm getting overwhelmed and I need to just sit and be still. That needs mm-hmm. to be normalized. And we got to scream that from yeah. the mountaintops that it's okay not to be okay. But talk to somebody you feel comfortable with or talk to somebody you don't know if you could afford therapy or just try anything. So, you know, it, everybody needs help. So it, it really is going to take for you to step out that comfort zone and speak to somebody that hopefully you trust. And whether it goes good or bad, you know, you tried. So it's going to be a win either way. But speak to somebody and say, hey, I need help. And it's free. And they say in different drug programs and different things, the first step is admitting Mm -hmm. it. And we don't admit that, hey, I don't feel good mentally, you know, and we got to change that because we hold in so much pain and so much trauma that we got to normalize that, hey, it's okay not to be okay. Yeah, it's okay not to be okay. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead and say it. Yeah, everybody needs to get that out, but... uh. Your love of cooking, where did that come from? Uh, 
cookies or cooking? <laughs> cooking. I know you like to cook different yeah. things or cookies, whichever one. Um, cooking. Um, I. It just came out of curiosity to prove to myself I could do it because uh, your beloved great grandma, my grandma, I know. She didn't think I was ever going to learn to cook. It's one of the things that hurts me. I, if I could just, if she could just be back for one day to cook a, a meal for her. But it, it came out of one day saying, look, I, I this can't be that hard. But, you know, open. it came from opening up a cookbook and just trying something um, that it became more of something I liked. But how I ended up cooking is one day I was starving and I just went to the pantry and grabbed whatever was available and um, put something together. But your grandmother would, uh, great-grandmother would swear to you there was no way I should be in the kitchen because one day I tried to um, fry chicken and I fell asleep and almost burned the apartment down. Oh, boy. (laughs) But, um, yeah, it was once I moved out to California and um, I fell in love with Mexican food because of the variety and depending, it was just, it was easy to cook. The things you can do with, you know, uh, tortillas, man. Man. So putting together a quesadilla or making a real taco, because, you know, growing up in New York City, I thought that hard taco shell and you know, putting some ground meat and a little cheese. That's 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 not a taco. Not a real taco. No, not at all. You know, yeah, we both uh-huh. spent some time in California so we definitely got to know what a real Mexican food and real mm-hmm. tacos are. So yeah, that's definitely 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 different. Now I had you here for an hour now. We about to uh head on out of here but I like to do something I was doing uh before but i want to bring it back uh i want you to you know just go ahead and speak something to existence what do you want out of your life or some things you want positive to come into your life as we close this out oh uh speak something into existence that i want positive and this is for um all of us may we find that true passion that will lead us into the best career or just joy uh, that we all have been seeking. That's what I want to put out in the universe because it's it's not uh, about just thinking about me, but everyone um, around me and that I love. And that's just what I wish for all of us. And that is great. And this is recorded.